Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Southwest Londoners F1 podcast of the Mexican Grand Prix. Of course, we're otherwise known as Neom. I will be your host for today, Alp, uh, replacing our usual host, Max, who is off doing... Um, he's off on gardening duty, we'll just call it that. And so I will be your host for today. I, as usual, of course, I will still be joined by my two fellow co-hosts and lovely F1 experts, Mr. Charlie. How are we doing? And Mr. Alex. I call myself an expert, but... Glad to be here. <laughs> All right, so today we will have a quick little bit of a discussion about the Mexican Grand Prix. Though, to be honest, I can't exactly say we have too much in terms of talk about in terms of the quality of the race itself, but we have a few extra topics that we'd like to go over. But real quick, we can just go gloss over a little bit about what happened. Of course, Max Verstappen, 14th win of the season. Of course, setting a record, of course, the most wins in a season. Um, Alex, what do you think about how, uh, the, basically the history that Verstappen has pulled off this year? Amazing, yeah. I mean, as I've said, that kind of record I thought would stand, but I guess, I mean, we have more races now, but it's still incredible to beat a record that was held, uh, by joint, uh, by, uh, Michael Schumacher and Sebastian Vettel. And um, Hamilton. It's not Hamilton as well. Lewis Hamilton. Uh, that's what I was going to say. I was surprised that. No, I was surprised because you think of Lewis's dominance over the last few years. But he hasn't actually. He hasn't even got to 12. I think his best is 11. Achieved, I think, five times. I yeah, think. Lewis Hamilton, I believe, has achieved four different 11 win seasons. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think I it's just. Well, in, yeah. I mean, obviously, we have more races now and we'll have more. I think next, we'll have one more next year. I don't know. But it's incredible that dominance, especially, you know, the first three races. He, Two retirements since then he's just uh, he's been in a class of his own and mexico is no different okay. now charlie of course uh of course as alex just touched up on of course he matched he's beaten a feat accomplished by other fantastic drivers before however of course with the extra amounts of race this season and you would argue probably a more dominant uh a car of extreme dominance compared to the rest of the field would you say that this achievement is actually all that impressive considering maybe it was a bit more easier for him this year well, it's no different to this. Well, I don't think this Red Bull's any more dominant than the Mercedes was between, say, 14 and, and and 17. Like when literally it was Hamilton winning every race, or it was literally Hamilton or Rosberg that could win races. No other car could win a race. Um, I don't think necessarily that this Red Bull, of course, is dominant, but it's not like people saying, oh, it's boring. Well, it's this season's definitely not been as boring as some of the ones where. It was just Mercedes winning every single race, pretty much, bar maybe one or two, and no cars were capable of winning. Like obviously, you know, the Ferrari started pretty well, has faded quite badly. Mercedes, the pace has never really been there, so the Red Bull has been a dominant car. But then the day you still got to turn up, you still got to deliver, and he's been a class above everyone else this season. And any any Ferrari deserves all the the plaudits and the praise coming his way. He's the first one to say that, you know, yeah, it's nice to have the record, but there are more races in a season now. But I think if we're looking at who's the most impressive, I'll probably say it's Schumacher the most impressive in terms of the fact that back then when he was competing, there was, was about, what, eight, 18 races in a season? I think it was 04. I think it was about yeah. 14. There's like, there's like 18 races in a season. So, like, compared to now, he got, what, 22, 23? Could think it'll be 24 next year of Vegas on the calendar. There are far more opportunities. It doesn't discredit it, but it gives you a few more bites of the cherry. And when you've got a dominant car like he does, then you probably expect him to pick up a, a, the bulk of the victories, considering how much better he is than than, than Perez. I mean, I, I was looking at something that, that, that this morning that um, was showing that literally Red Bull have won every race this season, bar three, and two of those were in the first three races. He said when Verstappen didn't finish, then we had Sainz at um, 
signed to the Silverstone, where I think Verstappen had a few issues, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. He was on, he was on pole there. Um, no, got into the lead from Sartre. Yeah, from Sartre. The only thing I was going to say was, it, obviously he's in a dominant car, but it's not like you know Mercedes 2016. I think Mercedes were on pole every race of that year, I think, or something like that, or, or bar one. I think, you know, Charles Leclerc's had how many pole positions this year? I mean, the, Ferrari's arguably been the quicker, they've been the quicker one-lap car. So it's, it's like, of course, it's dominance, but it's not necessarily a new kind of dominance that we haven't seen before. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think like necessarily like people say that you know oh it's a boring season because Max has been so dominant I don't think as long as you've got like consistent storylines throughout the rest of the field and there's action going on throughout the race not maybe not necessarily for the lead but sort of maybe for the podium places the minor points positions and whatnot then it, it's still a good season I don't sort of buy into the the point that you know if it's one person just constantly winning that is a boring season you know there are other elements that that contribute to, to think making things an exciting season. And whilst most whilst in a majority of the races since Ferrari have fallen off, there's not really been any on track battles. I mean, obviously in America we got sort of Max chasing down Lewis again, but that wasn't on pace. That was just because Red Bull botched the pit stop and and it gave Hamilton an opportunity. In terms of having sort of out and out wheel to wheel combat, this season has kind of tailed off in, in those terms from when we sort of had Max and, and Charles Leclerc sort of going wheel to wheel in, in, in the early opening rounds. Realistically, well, certainly since the summer break, it's been utter dominance. And even really since Austria, it's, it's when Charles Leclerc last won a race, Ferrari have not really been anywhere. Yeah, I mean, it's been an absolutely dominant season. So like completely by the Flying Dutchman from start to finish, even with the relatively problems and really the only reason he hasn't probably won those races as well is probably because of those little few little issues that probably just uh, either Ruben McAbilly from the race or just completely botched his face. Anyway, uh, beyond, of course, record-breaking feats, uh, this was not the only thing that Max Verstappen was in the news for quite a bit recently, especially in the Mexican Grand Prix. Of course, uh, of course, big news coming out, of course, that uh, during the weekend, Max Verstappen and the rest of the Red Bull team, including Christian Horner, uh, had decided to boycott against in all interviews with Sky Sports, of course, mainly Sky Sports UK, but apparently also with other uh, country versions of Sky Sports, largely due to comments made by uh, Sky Sports reporter Ted Kravitz in regarding the legitimacy of the 2021 uh, F1 uh, title triumph, which, of course, we've heard plenty about. And of course, I would like to hear your takes about, like, you know, what are your thoughts about, like, you know, is this the right thing to do? Is Mac is Red Bull being a bit petty, or are they right to try and do something like this? Alex, would you like to give us a thought? I'm not, I'm not completely sure, but I just I don't know. Kravitz is, is in he's, he has an important position, and I don't know some of his kind of throwaway comments, whether that be in his notebook show or whatever. You just get the uh, there's been a few comments that makes it seem as if Verstappen didn't deserve um, his world title in in 2021. Um, and that, you know, Hamilton was basically robbed. Now, you can have that opinion if you're a Mercedes fan, a Lewis Hamilton fan. But I just don't think as a broadcaster in front of millions of millions of viewers that you should really kind of have that vibe about you. Because that's what people do say, do think about Kravitz in terms of, I don't know, there's just, I, I, I'm, if you told me, I, I wasn't surprised that Red Bull boycotted Sky Sports. And, it, you know, it's indefinite. This could go on for the rest of the season. Um, even Simon Lazenby, I think, he was questioning the legitimacy of basically in, in relation to the cost cap and Abu Dhabi and Michael Massey. He was questioning basically Verstappen's achievements. So it's, it's no, what, 
I didn't find it a surprise that, that Red Bull and Horner and Verstappen took exception to it because it's actually been rumbling along kind of since, I'd say, Silverstone 2021, actually. Um, not saying that, you know, I think it's, you know, it happens all the time, but you do get, I don't know, I get a vibe from, from Sky that um, is not biased, but there is, they kind of, they, don't, they do look down on Max, I think, and they don't really... Um, take in what he's achieved over the last year, year and a half. I think they, yeah, but that's just mine. Mm-hmm. Is there anything you'd like to add about well, that? Well, just Charlie? on the boycott, I think I read something today or, uh, yeah, today I think, that Christian Horner saying that it's back, it's back to normal. Okay. From the next race, I'll be back to normal. But I'm, I'm not surprised at all that they've, they decide to do that because, look, everyone knows. You can, you, can, you can have the opinion that Lewis Hamilton was robbed because he was. Yeah. But you can also subscribe to the opinion, whilst Hamilton was robbed, that Verstappen was still thoroughly deserving of that 2021 championship because he put together a superb season. Yeah. Ultimately, you know, he, he fell short on the last race and what happened, happened. But you know, that's not that's not his fault. That's, that's what Mercedes have been saying as well. Yeah. It's not like they've ever said, oh, Max didn't deserve the championship. But yeah, I get the feeling from Sky yeah. that it's somehow to it's, do with Max. Yeah, you, know it's, I mean? you always get the feeling from the coverage that and it's not just Sky, I'm sure it's other broadcasters yeah. as well, but obviously because we're UK, we see it on Sky, but like Max didn't, Max and Red Bull didn't make that be the, like, you know, make Michael Massey do that. Yes, right, they might have applied, Chris Wheatley might have, I think it's called Chris Wheatley, the, the, chief, bull, the chief Red Bull guy that used to have contact with the, uh, when they had contact on the pit wall to the race director, um, you know, they put, they put pressure on, but Toto Wolff was doing that numerous times in the season. Obviously they got rid of that communication now, rightly so, but yeah, I think the fact that they make it out to be that, like, you know, Max decided that those rules were going to be changed. You know, he put together a superb season there. He was just as worthy of winning that title as Hamilton was. Ultimately, as events transcribed, yes, Hamilton was robbed, but it's not like Verstappen had an insuperior season to Hamilton and didn't deserve that title. I can understand why it, it gets annoying for him because he shouldn't have questions like that over over his championship and the cost cap thing as well is 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 not it's nothing to do with him either he's not in control of the accounts they they trust the team to put the car together he just drives it and does his best on the track so you can understand why he'd get annoyed with those accusations being leveled at him because those are things that are both out of his control what do you think Al? okay well i mean i feel like it's a very understandable opinion i can understand why max verstappen and the rest of the red bull team would be so irritated by this seemingly negative coverage about them, especially from such a massive network such as Sky Sports that are one of the key, if not the uh, most important um, coverage providers of F1 across the world. But of course, in order to of course, uh, give a bit of a point of view of the other side in terms of the whole uh, legitimacy thing, of course, we mentioned the cost cap, and that's, of course, one of the, one of the biggest talking points of the entire season, of course, about Red Bull potentially being in breach of the... Um, the uh, cost cap set this cost cap, and which of course it has been confirmed. Uh, it took a bit of time, of course, for family, of course, uh, to be properly uh, settled and everything. Of course, with extra circumstances such as the passing of uh, Red Bull co-founder and owner uh, Dietrich Mateschitz. Uh, of course, it has now been revealed that the agreements uh, for the penalty will see Red Bull receive a seven seven million dollar fine, and of course a ten percent reduction in aerodynamic testing time. Uh, of course, due to going over the cap for 2021 season. And so, of course, that's, of course, one of the understandings why people will question the legitimacy of the Red Bull uh, title glory from 2021. Okay, but of course, now, while we're talking about the cost cap penalty, I want to go quickly into 
the uh, quick uh, punishment. We won't go too much into it since admittedly none of us are really engineers, so we can't really judge it. The seven million dollar fine, uh, I don't think we can really say too much about it. That's mostly just monetary things. But of course, the 10% reduction in uh, aerodynamic testing time, I'd like to see if maybe how much of an impact you guys would probably take a guess on like uh, how that would affect Red Bull potentially for next season, or do you think maybe it's just not harsh enough? And also, before I switch over to clarify, when we say 10% reduction, there's a 10% reduction off of what there will be their current total. As uh, Constructors Champions, they are set to be given 70% uh, less time, 70% uh, of the normal allocated time in terms of aerodynamic testing, and it's been 10% off of that, so it's now set to 2%. So any of you have a bit of an opinion on... I mean, is it harsh? It's so hard to tell because this is like an unprecedented situation. Because obviously the cap come in and it's, and it's the first time they, they've reviewed it and obviously, you know, they've not had to dish out punishments before. I do think it's a slightly flawed system where you've got any governing body that you can invite the, you know, the perpetrators to the table and you negotiate a punishment between you. I, find, I think that's a very odd way of going about things. You know, normally it's like, these are the rules. If you break the rules, this is the set. This is the list of set punishments, and that's what happens. The fact that you know you can be invited to the table with the FIA to discuss what punishment you think you should have and try and negotiate yourself a more lenient punishment. Teams will look at that now and they'll think, well, well, what's going to stop Mercedes, for example? Oh, we'll just overspend by X amount. We know we're going to we'll get like X million fine, or we'll get a slight reduction in our in our wind tunnel time. Like teams will be wearing that up and thinking, well, yeah. that 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 might that might be worth it. I mean, in terms of will it harm Red Bull for next year? I, I I'm not so sure because this car's been so dominant that they're already quite a way ahead in general. They get they obviously as champions, as you said, out you get less time in the wind tunnel anyways. As the championship winners, you get the least amount of time, and then the further down the grid you go, obviously the more time you get to develop that. But I don't think it's going to hurt them too much, if I'm being perfectly honest. They're just going to have to maximise and get everything out of each run they do within, within in the wind tunnel. So whilst it will hurt them, uh, I, I, it's so hard to just like quantify, is that harsh enough or is it not harsh enough? Because people will have different opinions on that, of whether they're fans of Red Bull or whether they're not fans of Red Bull. But I think the main thing is that it's done. But I think going forwards, you, the FAA have got to have a situation where you can't be negotiating punishments with with, with, with with the team to try and to try and you know to try and solve it that way okay. i believe there's nothing much else to add for you alex so in that case we'll move on to the next section <laughs> since charlie uh described everything so clearly all right so enough about talking about red bull we're a bit sick of it at this point in the, in the podcast let's try to switch over to maybe more more lighthearted topic and maybe something a bit more entertaining so of course in two weeks time we move on to the next race in brazil and so I believe it is time to start giving you guys a little few little quiz questions that I just thought up of before the podcast, just to see, you know, test your knowledge and perhaps torture you to a bit. All right. So Brazilian Grand Prix, of course, a bit of a rich history, not just in terms of like the drives that race there, but of course, in terms of the track being relatively iconic. Uh, I'm sure we all remember what happened last year, 2021. Of course, a bit of a nice little battle between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, and of course, Hamilton's sensational comeback. Having technically started from last position, of course, that's when we had a sprint race for um, last year's uh, event, and of course, Lewis Hamilton had to start from 20th, last place. So I'd like to ask you this quick little question. For the main feature race, 
Which position did Lewis Hamilton start in? If you can remember. So he's like 12th or something. I thought 11th or 12th. So we got 12th good. from Ch- Charlie? I'm 12th, but it could be a one out. Right? 11th. You're both very close, actually. It was in te- fact 10th position. Yeah, However, good. Lewis Hamilton had actually finished the uh, sprint race in 5th. Oh, yeah, we got But it. he had a 5 te- set, five uh, place penalty for having exceeded his use of ICEs, or internal combustion engines. Alright, so that was a little bit of a tricky question, but you both did relatively well. So let's switch over to a more historical-based question, real quick. Who is the driver to have won the most races in the history of the Brazilian Grand Prix? Current driver, or just driver in history? In history. It's not Lewis. It is Lewis. No, it's not Lewis. Senna? No, Senna only went once, didn't he? Uh, okay. Oh, maybe Sebastian Vettel. I'm trying my best not to give you any hints. No, I <laughs> is it from a long time ago? Uh, I'll give you something. This driver is currently not racing. Oh. No. Prost. I just generally don't know. Or my last guess, Schumacher. Fangio. You have to pick one. <laughs> okay, let's go Schumacher. So we've got Schumacher. Fangio? I don't know. Fangio? Uh, well, I can tell you one thing. I don't know if Fangio's ever raced in Brazil, yeah, so no, it's definitely not yes, Fangio. Sorry, sorry. Uh, you might be a bit annoyed, Charlie. It was actually Alain Prost. No, I, did say, Prost. I did say Prost. But, but then you, I did force you to pick oh, yeah, one yeah, and you yeah, went yeah, Schumacher. Yeah. Michael How Schumacher. How many times Prost won? Uh, Alain Prost has won six races in Brazil. Six. Of course, a lot of those, and in fact, potentially all of those, came when it was not in Interlagos. It was in Rio de Janeiro. When, did it, when did it move to Interlagos? Oh, it's not the next question. Interlagos. <laughs> uh, in, fact, in fact, if you want to make that the next question, I can do that. In that no, case. it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. To be honest, I haven't looked into that, but no, uh, I believe that is since 1990, actually. Okay. Which, looking at the times, uh, Alain Prost only won there once. The rest was in Rio de Janeiro. He won six times. And for your information, Michael Schumacher won four times. Is he in the top three, Schumacher? Schumacher is indeed in the top, t- top three, tied for second with, a bit of a surprise name, Carlos Reutemann. Oh, wow, okay. The Argentine, who never won a championship, but came close. I think we'll leave that there for the quiz questions, and of course, just to end it off typically with a more fun light, uh, the more fun part of the podcast, for this is more Max's domain, so I don't exactly think I'll give you as entertaining of a question is. Uh, so, uh, uh, as you both might know, and the podcast probably doesn't know, I'm a big F1 manager fan, I play it way too often, and so I'm going to see what you guys would do in terms of what would be your favorite, your top your build a team basically so i want you to pick two drivers that you put in your team yeah. a team a team boss and what car it would be so we can go through a bit more of that through history oh so it's from history yes yeah, from history they pick your two drivers that you would have in your team a team manager will say you're the team boss but like someone like you know to do more of the proper operations decisions and of course what car you would put them in i'd have jean top from the ferrari domination like 2000 to 2004 i'd have him and it'd be in in that ferrari i'd have schumacher and i'd put verstappen in it as well because i just think the combination of those two probably i'm not discounting lewis hamilton but i think out and out in terms of just pure pace and ability i think 
Schumacher and Verstappen are just could, well Schumacher definitely for me the greatest of all time I know Hamilton statistically is but I just I, I, prefer, I like Schumacher's style of driving better I just I don't know I just I just rate him as slightly more than Hamilton um, and then I think Verstappen has got the potential to be just the best the best ever just period basically if he, if he carries on, on on this trajectory that he's on at the moment so I'll go Jean taught that Ferrari sort of 2000 to 2004 car probably take a 2004 one because that was probably the most dominant one I'd have Schumacher and Verstappen in it. I'm not sure. I'd, I'd probably go back to like the McLaren days of the late 80s, but instead of Prost, have Hamilton. So you have Ron Dennis, I think. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, Hamilton in Senna. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably 88 or 89. And they were, they were really dominant. One 88 year. was the one they won every race bar one. 88. Yeah. yeah. And then instead, I like, Prost was incredible, but I just can't see those things. It'd be some. It'd be definitely some interesting uh, some teams to imagine. To be honest, though, I can't help but feel like Schumacher and Verstappen, as fast and dynamic as they would be, you could be a potential disaster in uh, yeah. racing against each other. I would definitely imagine a few team incidents. Senna Hamilton being more interesting because Hamilton, I know, is a big fan of Ayrton Senna. Possibly, I think he's his idol and everything. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know, it's together as racers, obviously, it'd definitely be an interesting scenario to see how they'd stack up against each other in the same car. What about you? you what would I go for? Yeah. Uh, well, in that case, probably to try and switch things up, I would probably go for, I feel it might be one of the more dominant cars in recent history, the Mercedes from 2014. Oh, actually, we'll go for the, what was the most dominant car? I'd say, I would say 20, the 2020 Mercedes, I think is probably the best car they ever made. And in terms of drivers, just to mix things up, obviously, let's not go for the same people. Uh, let's go Sebastian Vettel as one guy. And alongside of him, hmm. I was about to say Kimi Raikkonen, but no, that's already been done. Let's try to do something else. Uh, let's go with someone I would love to have actually seen in cars nowadays. Mika Hakkinen. Someone I'd be really curious to see, like, you know, uh, since I feel like in his prime... He had a car that really wasn't as good as it should be. I think when he was finally properly fighting for a championship, it didn't have as much time left. And of course, he retired relatively early. So I would have loved to see Mika at his full powers in a car that was dominant off the bat. And as a team manager, I mean, might as well go for someone who's familiar with the team itself, Mr. Toto Wolf. Cool. <laughs> All right, well, this has been a very entertaining podcast. Of course, not talking about the race itself, because let's be honest, that wasn't very fun to begin with. But we've gone over some fun topics, and I think we've had a pretty good time. So thank you, everyone, for uh, listening to today's episode of the F1 podcast of the Southwest Londoner. Thank you so much to Charlie and Alex for joining me. Uh, and I hope to see you for the next podcast, whenever that is, potentially about the Brazilian Grand Prix. If not then, potentially an end-of-a-season podcast uh, once uh, Abu Dhabi's happened. We'll see when, whichever it'll be. So thank you very much, and hope you had a fantastic day. <laughs>